Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome into this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. And Carolina 3-0 after a win over Virginia Tech 56-45 in Keenan Stadium on Saturday. It's the Tar Heels' first win in a ranked versus ranked matchup since 2008. Their first win versus a ranked opponent since the game against Miami back in 2016. And of course, Carolina's first win against Virginia Tech since 2015. So a lot of good things for Carolina. A lot of negative things for Carolina as well. And a lot to talk about here on this episode of the show but Carolina is 3-0 they get a big win over a ranked opponent so you gotta be feeling good about where Carolina is at least at the moment with an unorthodox start to the season yeah I mean you it's hard to come on here and and complain about what you saw on Saturday because they came out and your offense finally looked the kind of offense you thought you were going to get um from day one they they were you know I, I mentioned last week this should be a run-first offense, and I think they proved that on Saturday. This is a run-first offense, running for over 400 or 399 yards, uh, to be exact. Um, so over over 400, they 400 because they had to take a couple of knees late that took them below right. 400. Yeah, but um, it was it wasn't a complete game. Carolina's got to learn that you got to play 60 minutes. Um, the, the the defense, you know, you without Raymond Velasic, you really learned how much how important he is to this team this year, as they couldn't stop the run defensively. But they still made enough of the plays that they had to make when they needed to make plays to win the game. Um, you finally beat Virginia Tech, who's been a thorn in your side really since they joined the ACC. Um, you got a big win at home for the first time in what feels like forever. And you you kind of put your name on the national landscape. You know, you're, you're inside. You came to the game inside the top ten. Now you're, of course, in the top five of the polls. I think the polls this year are, are as irrelevant as any because not everyone's playing, so the rankings are going to be miscued because Carolina isn't the fifth-best team in college football. But you made your, your presence known that you are at least a contender to win the to compete in the ACC this year, which is what you were expecting uh, coming into the year. So you take it. Uh, but you still, they've still got a long way to go and a, and a lot to learn from what they did on Saturday. 
I mentioned it. I mean, it was a game where Carolina's offense was going to work. 656 total yards of offense, 399 on the ground, but allowed 495 yards of offense in the other direction to Virginia Tech. Um, you know, bringing up Raymond Voasic, I think that's a pretty good place to start. Um, you know, I think everybody was kind of focused on the Storm Duck injury being the one that was going to have the biggest impact on this Carolina team because of just how impactful he was early in the season, how good of a cover corner he's been on the outside but I think Raymond Voasic's injury as it was shown on Saturday is the biggest injury out of the group of guys that are injured right now Carolina had to go into what was pretty much a 2-4-5 defense something that you just really don't see a lot of two down linemen uh, for most of the game they did occasionally throw in Zach Gill um, who didn't look bad but you know is not, not quite on the same level as Raymond Voasic. there is a definite drop off yeah. in talent there when Raymond uh, Ray's not on the field, but I think that's the biggest thing for Carolina. They've got to find out how soon they can get Raymond Voasic back, and if they can't, they've got to find a way to get a third defensive lineman that they are a little more confident in because, as we saw with this 2-4-5 defense, it looks like teams are going to be able to run the ball on you a little bit easier, especially inside the tackles. Yeah, they were able to push Carolina around up front uh, pretty much from the second quarter on. They had their way in the run game with Carolina and we know coming in the year that was the biggest worry for this defense is how do you replace losing Aaron Crawford, Jason Strobridge for the first two weeks against Syracuse and then um, Boston College, the run defense looked really, really good, right. allowing like 40 yards a game. Then on Saturday, it kind of got blowed up. You kind of saw the run defense, what you saw when Larry Fedora was here. And Carolina can't be that bad stopping the run if they want to win a lot of football games this year. They, you know, So they've, they've got to find a way to get around without Bawasa, who probably isn't going to be on the field again on Saturday at Florida State. Uh, Not according to Chad Surratt. He says he thinks he's going to be out right. there. So, so, you know, you, you've got to – Who knows? You, you, you've got to get more from Timon Fox. you got to get more from Tamari Fox. And you got to get more from your depth guys. They've got to give you more in the run game uh, than what they're giving you because you can't just rely on one guy to carry your run defense. But uh, – yeah, I mean, it, it, it stinks. Football and injuries are part of the game, especially in this COVID-19 year. We know injuries are going to pile up, and they're already piling up for Carolina. But uh, it was very disappointing to see the inability to stop the run because Virginia Tech, you know, they were trailing. They made the game a shootout by running the football. You don't see yep. that a lot in, in modern football where both teams are scoring a lot of points in the ground game. But that's how the both, both offenses functioned on Saturday was attacking both defenses in the run game and both teams – couldn't stop it. And so it was kind of fun to watch from a, you know, if you're like me who likes watching old school football and offensive line play and the running game, it was a lot of fun, but it's also concerning for your defense when that's your biggest issue and it showed up in a big way, even in a big win. Yeah, I, I don't think there's really too much concern. I think, uh, you know, if you're asking which Carolina defense is going to be the run defense that we see the rest of the year, I think it's probably somewhere in between the first, you know, what we've seen the first three games. I don't think it's going to be as good as it was against Syracuse and Boston College all year, but I don't think it'll be as bad as it was in this game against Virginia Tech. Now, the concern, I think, is when you look at that Miami game later in the year, Miami is going to be – they're going to run an offense very similar to what we saw from Virginia Tech on Saturday. They are going to want to run the ball as much as they possibly can until you show that you can stop it. By that time, you would hope that you would have Raymond Voasic back. Um, but, I mean, as you mentioned, in this, in this season, of, of COVID-19 in 2020, you just really don't know because you can't get in the training room and try to get as much treatment 
as you normally could. There's restrictions, so right. it's not as easy to get yourself back on the field. Um, you know, hopefully he is able to get back out there. I didn't think Tamari Fox played bad. I think Tamari Fox is you know not quite as as well versed to play the nose tackle position as Raymond Voasic was. Uh, Voasic was just you know he picked up pretty much right where Aaron Crawford left off. That was hard to do. There's only certain guys that can do that. He had put on the weight. Um, you know he's got the physicality inside where you know Tamari's got some of the physicality, but he's also able to utilize his speed a little bit off the edge. That's why they use him in that three technique or uh, or four eye technique, excuse me, uh, in the three four defensive end scheme. Um, but you know I, I think there's still some some things that uh, you know you can take away from this that are still positives on the defensive side of the football. Mainly your cornerbacks, Kyler McMichael, named defensive player of the game uh, by head coach Mac Brown. He was fantastic. Four total tackles. Uh, had two pass deflections, did a pretty good job helping uh, the other guy that I think was huge in this one, Patrice Rene, coming back in this game, having to play a bigger role with, uh, you know, of course, Storm Duck out for what seems like the foreseeable future. I mean... You know, they said we're not going to be providing updates on a lot of these guys. Um, you know, going forward, we're just going to kind of wait until game day. And then they came out and declared that Storm Duck was inactive for this game on Monday. That seems like a pretty bad sign if they're normally going to wait until game day is to reveal the statuses of some guys. But, you know, you got to feel confident in what you saw from your guys on the outside and going forward this season. Even though you struggled to stop the run, you found something in the past in, in, in the passing game. Yeah, no, I'm not worried about what this defense will do on the back end in terms of covering receivers and making plays in the in the passing game from a defensive standpoint. Even though you you're you're losing guys, it feels like every week to injuries or, or something like that. There's still enough talent and enough depth where I think they'll be able to work through it. It's it's the run defense that Carolina's you you've, you've got to get you got to be better than what you were on Saturday. I know you're saying that you know they're not going to be as bad as they were on Saturday. If they're not going to be as good as they were. Uh, in the first two games, but even they got to be better than average in the run defense, I feel like, because some of these teams, if they can line up and move you around, they'll just run the ball down your throat, and that's how these teams are going to try to buy upsets. That's how they're going to try to beat you, shorten the game, control the clock, and everything like that. You do that in the run game, so they've got to get you know better in that. I didn't say Tamari Fox played bad. You just need more. He needs to give you more with injuries, and that's that's just that's just facts, is that these guys that need to, that, that have the capability to play better, they need to play better because now it now is demanded. You're without your best interior defensive lineman. You've got to step up and, and be better for this team. But uh, you know, it, it's it's good seeing Patrice Renee come back from injury. He looks he looked about as healthy as we've seen him all year long. Made right. some plays. Kyler McMichael. You see why we were all hyped about him when he transferred in. Um, and so. You know, back end's not going to be a problem. It's, it's your front seven and really that, that front line that is where your issues are. At. Well, your linebacking core has to be better. Your safeties have to tackle better. Uh, uh, Trey Morrison did not have a single tackle in this game, not even an assisted tackle after a great performance against Boston College. That can't that's, happen. That's hard to do. Uh, Cameron Kelly, eight total tackles. If you just look at the stat sheet, you thought he had a good day. He missed too many, way too many open yeah. field tackles. He's not a space um, tackler. He's probably, I, I mean, at, th at this point, I would probably make the move of putting Morrison back at safety move uh, Cameron Kelly into the slot would be where I would feel more comfortable because he's just not a good open field tackler. That's just, it is what it is. Um, and, you know, I think 
you, you, I mean, he can improve. That's one of the things you're going to look for. Um, but also, I mean, this is the other reason why I'm not overly concerned. I mean, Chad Surratt had his worst game since last year's game against Wake Forest. He had yeah. four tackles in the game. None of them were solo tackles. You know, I just think... You know, we got to give some credit to that offensive line for Virginia Tech. Uh, they are really uh, some of the draft people really hyped about their left tackle, Kristen uh, Dareshaw. They saw, they thought he played great. Yeah, he kicked our ass. Could be a potential first round player, is what they're saying. Brock Huffman, we see why they were uh, Brock Hoffman, excuse me. We see why they were so confident about you know or. Um, so dejected about not being able to have him last year um, because he has been fantastic so far this year. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, I think you got to give some credit to Virginia Tech. I think also Carolina's got some guys that, that need to step up. But at the same time, I, I still – I'm not – really freaking out about this run defense also because you look at this conference there are not that many great running teams in this conference I mean this year more than ever college football is an offensive game if you can't score you're not going to win and that's in large part because you're having to win games through the air now you're going to find in this week is going to be another test for you and we'll of course, of course talk about it a little more uh, as we start to preview the Florida State game but I mean yeah you're looking going forward the, the game that you would probably be most concerned about in you know your run defense would be Miami. Outside of that game, most of the teams you're going to face are probably going to try to beat you through the air with what we've seen so far. So I think Carolina is still in pretty good shape there. Um, head over to the offensive side of the ball, and this is as good as this offense has looked in a very, very long time. Um, you know, Even going back to last year, this offense was just rolling. Their run game, uh, as we mentioned, almost 400 yards uh, of uh, total uh, offense on the ground ground in this game. Michael Carter 17 carries, 214 yards, two touchdowns, career high in rushing yards for him, career high for Javante Williams as well. 20 carries, 169 yards, two touchdowns. We asked them to lean on the run game because you've got the talent and it seems like maybe Phil Longo is a listener to the podcast because they did exactly that in this game on Saturday and it paid off in a huge way. Yeah, um, you, I can't speak enough about the job our running backs did, but it's Starts with the big uglies up front. The return of Joshua Izudu paid major dividends because the offensive line looked as good as it's looked since Phil Longo and Mac Brown got to Carolina. <laughs> they pushed around the Hokies up front, and you don't say that a lot about Virginia Tech. We in the preview of last week we stressed that they got to be good up front because last year they won the battle in the trenches. A big reason why they beat you. Yeah, that, that team that team came in one of the be, one of the best defensive lines. Had 19 yeah. tackles for loss. 13 sacks, and you allowed three tackles for loss and one sack the entire game. That's that's really good. Yeah, so Carolina just lined up, and they shoved the ball down their throat from play one until the final whistle. And and it, it you know and it was really fun to watch. You kept Sam Howell upright. He was eighteen and twenty three, two hundred fifty seven yards, three touchdowns. His deep ball returns, and he should have only had two incompletions. If Carolina wouldn't uh, wouldn't have dropped three balls, he would right. have had a near flawless performance. That's the offense we thought we were going to see from week one. Now we understood with everything going on in in, in the sports world, it wasn't going to be like that. But this offense has answered all the questions we had coming in because for the first two games we've seen them, they hadn't looked good. They had their moments. But they hadn't they right. hadn't done what they wanted to do like we thought they were going to do. And against Virginia Tech, they had their way. No matter what they wanted to do, they accomplished their goal. And so hopefully you take this performance and you build off of that. Uh, but I, I still I still think this is a this is a run first football team. I think 
Your goal should be to line up and run the ball 35 to 40 times because as Mac Brown proclaims, they've got the best running back duo in the country. I'm not going that far, but they're pretty darn good. I mean, they got to so, be up there. I, I mean, I would say Alabama with Najee, Najee Harris and uh, Brian Robinson. Um, I don't know, though. I mean, I, I think the way that they utilize the guys – is could you could make the argument that they have the best backfield Mac duo in the country? Mac just likes to proclaim stuff, and like when it, once he Who, says I mean, it, he's just like, "Well, this is the best duo in the country," and then it's like, "Okay." Like, that's I the mean, there are th- people that that agree, though. Our guy oh, yeah. Eric uh, McLean from uh, from the ACC Network, he believes that that's true. He thinks that they have the best running back duo uh, in the entire country. And I mean, you know, through the first, th- you know three games of the season, I would say they definitely have a strong case. I mean, you you just ran for, uh, you know, a combined, what, I would say 370-plus, something like that. I mean, you know, that's that's really good. And you just don't see that in, ma- in, in major college football today. And that's in a game where your quarterback also threw for 257 yards, had his best game of the season. That's what makes Carolina's offense so dangerous. Um, you know, Michael Carter uh, is just off to a fantastic start. I mean, look, the comparisons that we were hearing about him to Giovanni Bernard – the first three years, really, you could start to see it a little bit last year, but this year especially, you're starting to see why he was being compared to Gio because he has the good back vision. I mean, his touchdown uh, to make it 21 nothing. what a great job to cut back into an open hole on the left side when that was supposed to be a play that was run to the right side. Um, he looked fantastic. You talked about the offensive line. You know, Zudu coming back, uh, again, it's, it's just so huge. I think the biggest thing that, you know, the, the thing that – showed just how big it was was you saw Sim Richards struggle the first drive of the game they you know end up taking him out of the game they move Azudu over to left tackle they bring in Ed Montillas they get to you know sort of talk to Richards on the sideline send a little bit of a message to him that look you know you're not guaranteed this spot we can move some things around if we have to to you know give us the best chance to be able to have success up front he comes back later in the game and was fantastic the rest of the way so that's the big thing about him returning uh all you know just as uh, as a whole the unit looked great I thought McKeithen had his best game of the season I thought uh, Jordan Tucker had his best game of the season Brian Anderson was flawless won ACC offensive lineman of the week so uh not much more that you could ask from this Carolina team uh let's you know got to talk about Sam Howell a little more in depth I mean as you said 18 to 23 probably should have been 21 of 23. No, he should have been. Two of two. The, the drops were inexcusable. They all three of their punts were on drop passes, and they were all yeah. And that's the thing. They were all at very inopportune times, and a couple of which came at a time where the game was still pretty uncertain. Yeah. So you you were a little on your on your seat because you had no idea uh, how that was going to impact the Tar Heels going forward. Luckily, it was it didn't play a huge factor. Um, but I mean, he looked as as good as we've seen him. I mean, his, uh, his, his passer rating of 152.8 was the highest of his career. Um, you know, and, and we said it. I, I, I told you when I predicted the game, I thought he would step up and play about as big of a, you know, a game as he's played so far in his So for 10 in the
final stretch of the season. He's not going to be a Heisman front runner, and that's okay because, frankly, he shouldn't be because this should be a run first offense. And if Carolina's going to put a guy in the Heisman race, it would be either one of the two running backs. But uh, the thing about him on Saturday was he, they never they never forced the ball to go down. But every time they took a shot, it was when you had finally set up the time to throw the ball deep. The first two weeks, they were forcing the ball down the field. He was making bad decisions. He wasn't reading the defenses. All that changed when you let your running game just dictate how you know making your passing game an extension of your run offense. So um, it was good to see him get the ball to Deami Brown. Made a tough catch for a touchdown. Yep. You, you got to focus on the drops because it's more about those timely mistakes are ways that you allow the team to get back into the game, and sometimes that that'll cost you a chance to win because you you, you just can't me- you can't make those errors. In certain junctures of the game, um, but they were able to withstand it and 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 uh, not let it trip trip them up. But uh, you know, you, you got Daz Newsom involved because he was you know he knew he was going to come in motivated. He always plays pissed off against Virginia Tech. He was very he was very angry. He talked his talk and his play backed it up. Deami Brown was just a monster on the outside. You got your running back involved, Javante Williams. So everyone got a little bit in the action, and I think that's what you want to see is that you know you've got. Deami Brown and Daz Newsom, but if you can mix in all these other guys, it's just going to make you more hard to defend when you go out to a four-wide set. So um, it was very – I think that's the best game Phil Longo has called. Uh, definitely this yes, year. Yeah. And, and maybe in this 10-plus games he's been at Carolina from what we've seen against an FBS opponent um, because you'd probably mention the Mercer game was probably the best game he called because that offense had ever won it last year, but that was against – That wasn't really that innovative, though. That was against an FCS yeah. defense in a in – a, pouring rainstorm so, the entire game so um the big thing for them is how do they how do they build from this do you do you take the next step or do you do you get caught back up and man we were able to throw the ball deep and that's what we want to get back to doing or does he stay true to his roots and they just line up and as long as that offensive line is getting the push you need to get up front you run the ball down team's throat i think you're going to be able to throw the ball down the field a little bit as well in this game against florida state because they've had some trouble defending long passes throughout the season um i i don't think it's something you should force you should of course go through the run game allow that to open it up allow the short passing game to open up those deeper throws like he did in this game but I think it also shows that, again, you face two very good secondaries to start the season. Uh, Syracuse, before they lost Andre Sisco, that is a very talented secondary. They've had a lot of success. Boston College, um, I think, is one of the more underrated ones, especially with how many guys they're able to rotate in. This game, give me all the excuses that you want that they didn't have, you know, the right amount of guys back there. They were missing three starters for this game. I mean, I get that Divine Diablo, their starting safety, is a big loss. Um, but, you know, they did have guys out there that they, you know, thought they were pretty confident in. And Carolina took advantage of, you know, when they had the opportunities to throw deep, they took advantage of them. And Deami Brown did exactly what he was supposed to do. But I think the main thing that you can you, you can look at and say, this is why Carolina might be able to have more success throwing deep as the season goes along, is the offense of line look better. If they can protect Sam Howell, I think that was one of the biggest things. When he was throwing deep a lot in the first two weeks, he had to do it under a lot of duress. In this game, didn't really have to do that. Was able to make uh, you know those types of throws that we're used to. That first touchdown throw to make it 14-0 to Deami Brown is the Sam Howell 
that we're used to. That is a perfect throw. You cannot Best place that football. You, you can't place that football any better. Um, so I, I'm not really concerned about that. It's just can the offensive line give him the opportunity to throw those deep passes? And as you mentioned, Daz Newsome in the short passing game worked out really well. Second drive of the game, he had already matched his season totals uh, at Car- for Carolina. Um, he finished the game. Uh, he was targeted seven times. All seven times he caught the football 69 yards, also had a touchdown in this game. You mentioned it. This is a game where he seems to have a little bit of extra motivation because Virginia Tech pretty much told him, you know, we don't think that you fit with what we want in our offense. He's taken that personally. Um, The good thing is from last year's game, that was able to kind of turn his season in the right direction. I mean, after that, I, I think five of the final six games or something like that, I can't remember the exact stat, 100 yards receiving or more. Not saying that's what's going to happen this year because, again, I think right now this team needs to continue to run the football until someone shows they can stop it consistently in a you know consecutive weeks. Um, but I still think that this is a really good sign that your most targeted receiver from a year ago is finally getting the – is finally getting himself on track because there was a lot of concern from the fan base the first couple of weeks that maybe Sam had just kind of tuned him out and was focused on getting the ball to Diami, which I think was a little bit ludicrous, uh, especially with what we saw in this one. Yeah, no, I think he wasn't getting the football because he wasn't open, or Sam Howell liked the matchups better with Diami Brown than he liked the matchup with Daz Newsom. And so we'll see what this does for his season. Does it does it jumps like it does last year and he goes on a tear and becomes that kind of guy that we think he can be, which is a thousand yard receiver, double digit touchdown kind of guy. You know, we're, I, we're about to find out, but it was good seeing him get involved early, get involved often, and uh, I just love watching him play against Virginia Tech because the the emotion that he plays with, and like it kind of it fed off everyone else because then right. you had the, the the cheap shot on Sam Howell, the offensive line went to go beat some ass because they they didn't like the hit. So I think second this, straight time that you've yeah. gone to that word here on the podcast in the so, last two weeks. Um, I think that's the thing is that. They, they all played a little more motivated on Saturday. And I think they've got to bring that kind of chip and that kind of edge every week because now you're a top-five team in the country. You're going to have to find yeah. ways to motivate yourself week in, week out to stay on top of these teams because now, believe it or not, you're going to get a lot of these teams' best shot because now they want to, you know, you're the new kid on the block. They're going to want to take you down. How do you find ways to motivate yourself because you're not playing against a school that didn't recruit you? You don't know. But um, it, it, is, it is always fun seeing him in that environment. And and, uh, and it was also, you know, just good seeing him beat Virginia Tech. So it was it was a fun game on Saturday. It was a weird game, but it was also a fun one. Right. I think it's still one that you should take a lot of confidence out of. I mean, this is this was a tough game for Carolina. This was the first time that they played an opponent that coming into the season most people would think would even make a bowl game. Most people thought Syracuse, Boston College probably weren't bowl eligible teams yeah. if they played a full regular season slate um, that seems to you know with Boston College that doesn't seem to be the case it seems like Boston College is probably better than we thought um, but this is a huge win for Carolina in you know however you chalk it up there's some things that they've got to improve on as they get ready to turn towards the Florida State game before we do that though we want to hand out our offensive and defensive players of the game uh, we'll go to the offensive side first since we did defense last week um, and offensive I mean you know again it seems like these are going to be the two guys we're going to talk about the most I mean Sam 
looked great. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely has an argument here. But when you set career highs in rushing, you know, you're going to be – we're going to have to give you the top consideration. Both guys with fantastic games. But for the first time this season, it will not be Javante Williams. It will be our offensive player of the game. Michael Carter will give it to this week. 17 rushes, 214 yards, two touchdowns, an average of 12.6 yards per carry, and he finally hit the home run play uh, when Carolina was still needing a play yeah. at that moment to make it 56-37. to 37. So uh, you got to hand it to Michael Carter. This was just a fantastic game, and uh, what a start to his senior season. Yeah, no, he he's come out and he looks. I mentioned it last week. He looks he looks quicker. He looks more decisive. But he put all that in, in, into the game on Saturday, where he got he got the long run that I've been begging for um, the last couple of years. He made some good cuts, so he's showing off the vision. So his, his best complete game in a Tar Heel uniform by far, and it came up in a big uh, big effort and a big win. Then the defensive player of the game. This one wasn't quite as easy to pick because a lot of the guys struggled. But I felt like. You had to go with one of the corners. I We're going to go with Patrice Rene. Um, I mean, Kyler McMichael had a great game, but Patrice Rene uh, was just fantastic. He allowed two catches for three yards when he was matched up against their top receiver, Tavian Robinson. And remember, this is the first significant playing time that Patrice has seen since he suffered that torn ACL last year. They needed him to step up in this game, and he did more than that. I mean, you see Storm Duck off the field for Carolina. Looks like it's going to be probably for a little while, but you feel like... I'm I, I'm not going to say there's no drop off because I think if you look at their NFL perspectives, Storm Duck probably has a better a, a better NFL future than Patrice Rene does yeah. right now. But you still feel like these, you know, him and Kyler McMichael are one of the best cornerback tandems in the ACC, and they showed that on Saturday. Yeah, no, they're gonna both. Uh... They're both going to need to step up, and the good thing is that you have confidence that they're going to step up and make plays until Storm Duck does return from injury, if he does return at all this year. Um, and it was just good seeing him bouncing back because he hadn't been able to get on the field. He didn't play at all against Boston College. His number yep. gets called on Saturday. He made a lot of plays, and they didn't want to throw the football his way. So it was good for Patrice Rene on Saturday. So those are your offensive and defensive player of the games, uh, players of the game for uh, Virginia Tech. So now we head over. Of course, Carolina now going back on the road, a game in Tallahassee. And uh, this one has some interesting elements to it. Uh, Florida State is allowed to have fans and a pretty decent amount as well. So there will be a crowd there that Carolina will have to compete against. Um, you would think that, uh, you know, Carolina is going to be preparing for that uh, all week, trying to get their offensive linemen ready because it's the first time that the offensive line is going to play in a pa in a even relatively packed stadium, including when they played at home in Keenan Stadium. So we'll see, uh, you know, what Carolina is able to do. But I think the biggest thing that we didn't talk about from this game against Virginia Tech, but that we got to start by talking about uh, for this one, Carolina, the main thing that they've got to do in this game, even outside of finding a way to slow down the run, keeping your offense in a rhythm, you have got to cut back on the penalties. This team right now has the most penalty yards in the ACC through the first three games of their season. Uh, Mac Brown and his staff, that's one area that, you know, while the team has played well so far, you know they're they're probably focusing on and trying to get corrected right now. Yeah, this isn't a, a mentally smart football team through the first three weeks of the season. And you, the, the, the 
the amount of penalties and the yards that they're racking up prove that they're, it's every week where they make dumb, ill-advised mistakes, and they've been able to withstand that. That's an element that if you, you continue to be bad in that department, you lose games because of penalties. Yep. You don't ever think it, but when you go back and you look at, at how drives end or how you drives get extended when you're on defense or whatnot, those, you know, as a big reason why. So they've got to eliminate the amount of mental errors they're making um, moving forward. Because I think going into this game on Saturday, I think this is, I think this game is going to be won before they step on the field. I think Carolina is a better team than Florida State. I think they've got more talent. I think they're a better coach football team. How do they prepare? Because you're a top five team on the road against a team that's one and three, but they're still going to put fans in the stands. And you still don't just go to Dope Campbell Stadium and win relatively easily unless you're Clemson. So you're going to find out a lot about this team's mental toughness on Saturday night uh, on ABC at 7.30. So I think that's the thing coming in is you've got to you've got to eliminate those holding pills you don't need to hold or, you know, those false starts that we seem to have, with, <laughs> that, yep. you, you know, that, that set your drives behind. So because um, it's – you look on paper – I mean, Carolina should win this game. They're a 13-point favorite. They're at 75% to win to the football power index on ESPN. It's still going to be a challenge, though, because they've never been in this situation as players and with this coaching staff. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. But, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, the penalties, that that's, that's it's like turnovers in basketball. They – they, they kill you. Well, I think the thing in this game against Virginia Tech that we saw this past weekend was even though they had 10 penalties for 87 yards, uh, they got, you know, they, they were, believe it or not, I thought it was a better game than the game against Boston College, mainly because the penalties against Boston College came at the most inopportune times. Um, you know, with, when you play Virginia Tech, you're going to expect that there'll be a few extra penalties because, I mean, as much as, you know, maybe Virginia Tech doesn't want to say it or even some of our fan base doesn't want to say it, that has quietly become a rivalry yes. matchup. Both of those teams hate each other. Their fan bases uh, can't stand each other. Yes. So when it, when you get on the field, things get chippy. That feels like how this what this game's going to be like on Saturday uh, against Florida State. I know that Florida State, I'm not saying they're a dirty team, but Florida State likes to play physical. Florida State, you know, they, they're going to be playing with a lot of emotion. This is a team that hasn't beaten an FBS team so far yeah. this year. They beat Jacksonville State, and that was a game where they didn't even look that great. They feel like they have a little bit of confidence now that they've got their starting quarterback situation figured out for the most part. You know, Jordan Travis looked good. Problem for him is he got injured in that game, banged up a little bit, so we'll have to see if he's even going to play in this one. They expect he will. Um, but you know that Florida State's going to come out with a a little bit of extra motivation in this one. So Carolina's got to be prepared for that. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, when you talk about their run defense in this one, Travis is a mobile quarterback. Carolina's got to be prepared for that. Hendon Hooker really seemed to bother them in the second half when he came in. But, um, you know, that's another thing that Carolina's got to prepare for. We talked about it with Virginia Tech here in the past couple of years. They like to rotate a lot of, you know, uh, quarterbacks in game. We could see the same thing from Florida State if Jordan Travis is, you know, showing signs that he's not 100% or if he just struggles. They've yeah. rotated quarterbacks so far throughout the start of the season. So Carolina has got to be prepared for that. But you feel like I think Carolina is going to go back, watch the film. I also feel like there will be probably some scheme adjustments because they're going to look and say that didn't work out as well as we probably hoped. Um, and the biggest thing is, is you never know, Raymond Velasa could be active for this game. And if he is, you feel confident that Carolina can 
and slow down this rushing game uh, for Florida State. But I feel like that's going to be one of the biggest focuses uh, for this team on Saturday is can they bounce back against Florida State in terms of what their run defense looks like. Yeah, they're going to have to because I think Florida State will look at the same film that Carolina's going to look at and probably look at it and think we can we can run the ball against these guys and we can move the ball, make the game easier on whatever quarterback we have in the game at that time. Um, and, and so, you know, you mentioned that, you know, Florida State, they're going to come in with a lot of motivation because they haven't they haven't won a game against an FBS opponent this year. Mike Norvell still having to win over his fan base, for Christ's sake, right now. Yeah. Trying to win over his players right now. What better way to do that than to upset the, uh, a top-five team in the country in your home building? There's going to be a lot riding on this game for Florida State as much as there is for Carolina, just from a program standpoint. So, um, but I, you know, I think Carolina will make some adjustments in, in the way they want to defend the run. If Raymond Veloxic is able to suit up and play, you feel a lot more confident and able to stop the run because he's been your best run defender so far on the season, and it's not even really close. So I think there's going to be some miss, you know, some things that are juggling before the game, and then when you get to the game, it's all about the execution. How do you handle playing in your first live crowd? Because that's going to yep. be a factor because you haven't done that yet. You played in front of some fans last week in Keenan Stadium, but they weren't yelling and screaming and making a scene. There will be a scene in Tallahassee on Saturday night, and it won't just be when they bring Chief Fazio out to plant the spear. There will be a fan base. There will, there will be some environment in that stadium. How do you handle that when you haven't done it yet so far this year? You're, you're, gonna, you're gonna have to find out. But uh, you know, this is still a game Carolina should win. Yes. But I do think this game will be a lot tougher than what you would suggest going into it. When you look at the record and look at how they match up on paper. Well, I mean, look, to Marion Terry on the outside, uh, also very talented, already off to a great start, 21 catches, 275 yards, and a touchdown. Patrice Renee and Kyler McMichael will probably team together to try to find a way to slow him down in this one. Um, and, you know, I think the other big thing, we saw it again this past week with Virginia Tech. James Mitchell, their tight end, over 100 yards receiving. Cameron McDonald, the tight end for Florida State. So far this season, 12 catches, 127 yards, a touchdown. That's, I mean, he's second on the team uh, or third on the team in receiving so far this season. So Carolina's got to be able to take away that tight end again. They struggled to do that again this week. They've got to find a way to be able to eliminate that part of the Florida State offense and not make it so easy for Florida State to find though that tight end safety valve throughout the game. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. I mentioned that mainly after the Boston College game because that's where they got killed in the pass game is that that's kind of been an issue with Jay Bateman's defense is being able to take away tight ends. They're still struggling with that right now. And it's really hard because you want to say, well, you can put Chas Surratt on him. And as from a matchup standpoint, you can. But then you're taking away your best defensive player if he's just being in pass coverage at all times. Right. So um, they, they've got to find a way to mask that, whether it's rotating some other guys in or just finding a better way to, to – to disguise scheme um, to take away the tight end because that's an easy way to get a young quarterback in rhythm, settlement in the game, some quick, easy throws, and it gets you in favorable distances to, to run the football. But, um, you know, you know, it's it's – it's just part of it. You've got to find a way to, to, to make the adjustments, to make the plays. And you still feel confident Jay Bateman is going to make the right adjustments leading up to oh, the yeah. game and then in the game to make the defense and put him in well, the best situation as possible to make plays. And you feel like they're going to be able to get after the quarterback. This Florida you, State you, you offensive better. line is not still good. horrible. It's <laughs> not good. We thought maybe, maybe – 
after three or four years of being bad, this offensive line could take a step forward. Now, now it's the same offensive line. Um, you know, that's part of the reason why Jordan Travis leads this team is in rushing is because, well, he frankly has no choice but yeah. to come in and run the football because when he drops back, he maybe has a second or two and he has to make a decision to either tuck or throw it away because uh, you can get a lot of pressure on him. Carolina's got to be able to do that. That was one thing that we saw the first few weeks of the season now against the team in uh, Virginia Tech that um, was able to have as much running success as they were. They weren't dropping back to throw as often, but Carolina wasn't able to get after the quarterback as well as they, uh, you know, as well as they did the first two weeks of the season. If Carolina can get back to what they did the first two weeks of the season when Florida State is dropping back to throw, you would feel like they have a really good chance to have a lot of success. Um, go over to the offensive side of the ball. Um, Carolina, this one is one that should favor the Tar Heels this matchup. Florida State's defense really struggling out of the gate. A lot of their guys uh, that have been playing well early on in the season uh, are in the secondary, though, so that's an area that you got to keep an eye on. Of course, Asante Samuel Jr. is the big name that everybody's right. going to be keeping an eye on, but up front, you know, they've struggled. Marvin Wilson hasn't had the type of season that they were hoping for from him, so Carolina's got to be prepared. I mean, not only is the team as a whole going to come in and try to make a statement, this probably looks like a team that's, you know, just in general going to try to come in and prove that they're building some momentum and getting something going under head coach Mike Norvell. Yeah, now this defense has really struggled a lot. 454 yards through their first three games, 260 on the ground, 195 through the air. So if you're Carolina, you look at the numbers, you should be able to line up and run the ball with some relative success early and often, uh, like Miami was able to do in that game, like Georgia Tech was able to move the ball in their upset win, and, and, and Jacksonville State, for you know, for goodness sake, was able to move the ball on the ground against against Florida State. So I think you know when you're game planning for this game, is you're still going to want to attack on the ground first because their secondary has some guys. You know, Samuel Jr. is the name, of course, in the secondary that can yep. make plays, and you you, you know so you're going to be cautious of that. But this is still a game where Carolina's offense should be able to move the ball for 60 minutes whenever they want to move the football. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that's what you're going to be looking forward to seeing is, is does this offense build off of – because Virginia Tech's defense is better than Florida State's. And you put up 56 points and over 600 yards. So what do you do in a follow-up game where you're playing an even lesser defense um, to see what the, the growth of the offense? So um, everything points Carolina's way on Saturday. And, and that's – you know so as I mentioned, this is a game they should win. But if this game was a one-possession game in the fourth quarter, would we be surprised? Because I wouldn't. No, I mean, the, the other thing to mention here in this game also is that Florida State has not been completely awful the entire season. Except against Miami. They should, yes, they should have beaten Georgia Tech. Um, that's a loss that you look back on, and if, if you're Mike Norvell, that's one you probably don't want to reminisce about ever again because that was a game you should have won, especially against a true freshman quarterback starting his first game. They fought hard last week against Notre Dame. Uh, that, that was a game they were in for most of the way, and that was on the road at Notre Dame, a place where they do have fans. So this team is motivated. They believe that Jordan Travis, now that they've got you know him in there, if he can stay healthy, he's their guy. So Carolina's got to be prepared for that. you got to also be prepared for the fact that your defense may let up some points in this game. Teams have seen what Virginia Tech did against mm -hmm. you, including this Florida State team. They have a quarterback that has a similar skill set to Hendon Hooker. So you've got to be prepared for them to come out and try to run the ball on you. This offense for Carolina, you know, I think – 
you know, I'm not going to say, you know, I don't believe that they can get into a rhythm. I think, you know, this that was the best, you know, the second week in a row now playing, you saw what this offense can be. I wouldn't expect them to be as good as they were last no. week. That was flawless. That was as well executed as you can be. But you want to see your guys be able to handle Marvin Wilson, your interior offensive lineman, have a good day. Uh, you want to see them be able to protect Sam Howell, uh, Sim Richards. You want to see him follow up with what he did on Saturday and continue to give Sam Howell time to throw to be able to find some of those short routes uh, across the middle that can be you know turned into big gains because you end up running away from a, a slot corner or a linebacker or you know you, those deep patterns that we talked about that you're going to want to hit a couple of times a game. Um, that's the main thing that Carolina's got to be able to do in this game because I feel like Florida State is probably going to realize that they have struggled to stop the run so far this year. The only way they're going to do so is if they load the box in this one. I still think Carolina needs to run the ball, but you feel like this is probably a a chance for Carolina's passing game to make a statement in a game where they're, you know, you're probably going to have somebody that's looking to slow down your run from the word go because you're not going to catch anybody off guard. Nah. These first three games of the season, I think maybe you did. I don't think anybody expected almost 400 rushing yards against uh, Virginia Tech. But Carolina's got to be prepared to just you know take what Virginia Tech's or excuse me what Florida State's defense gives them, which could be a lot, and uh, you know put up some points on the board and help out your defense that right now is struggling with the loss of some of the guys that they're dealing with. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised if Carolina's defense does give up points. They're giving up twenty four point three right now, and I've said all along that if they can hold teams to like twenty five and under, you're going to feel pretty confident about winning a lot of games and competing in a lot of games. And right now, they're doing that. They're scoring thirty seven point seven. So I. I do think Florida State will have some success. I think Mike Norvell is a very good offensive mind. We've seen that what he's done with at Memphis, and he's trying to install a system with his guys right now in Tallahassee. And he's still got to get his guys to fit his system in there on the recruiting trail. So I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they give up some big plays, they give up some points, but. I, you know, then I guess we're going to go and pick the game. Or, or, or yeah, we okay. can go ahead and just transition uh, into that. I. I think Carolina's going to win. I've got them winning 31 to 20 to get to 4 and 0 to to get a, their first big time win on the road as a as a as a highly ranked team to start building that confidence. They got to start building cuz you don't, you know, they've never been in this situation. Everything for them right now is new. Um, and so I, I think I think they'll have some issues, but they'll they'll play through it. They'll struggle at times, but they'll play through it and then they'll come out, you know, more more de- tough team, a more determined team and get a, a tough 31 to 20 win in Florida State. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, this game stacks up well for Carolina. I think, you know, the biggest thing is, uh, you know, for for them, slow down Jordan Travis. Make them, uh, you know, have some guys on the offensive side of the football that haven't really made plays in their running game so far this season. I mean, they've really been rotating three running backs the entire season. Uh, You know, you don't have a single guy uh, in your backfield besides your quarterback over 150 yards on the season. So, um, you know, for Carolina, make, you know, some of the other guys step up offensively. Um, You know, for you, just, you know, try to continue what you did, you know, offensively and, and keep yourself in a rhythm as you go throughout this game. This Florida State defense is definitely suspect. Um, there's, you know, a reason why there isn't a lot of confidence in them amongst their fan base. So, you know, just uh, take what they give you. I think Carolina will do that in this game. I think they've got the right coach to lead them into this environment. Um, you know, Carolina has had a lot of success against Florida State in recent memory right. as well, and you would feel like with Mac Brown it won't be much different. Um, you know, the only thing I'm, I'm concerned about is, you know, Carolina can Carolina put the fact that they're a top-five team behind them? Yeah. You need to throw that out 
It doesn't, nobody, nobody really cares about that at this point. It in doesn't the season. hurt that their head coach has pretty much said that they're that's that they're not a top five. Team. Right. I mean, that's the thing is that you know you you can't let that get in your head and and say, look, you know, we've got to come out and play our best game. You know, that would try to overthink themselves. I, I think the coaching staff's got to do that as well too. Don't get too cute with the scheme and everything like that. I don't think they will. I think they know what's been working so far. I think they run the ball pretty well yet again in this game. I think Sam Howell once again has another solid game because it feels like he's in a little bit of a rhythm. I think Carolina wins this game 38-24. to It'll be another high-scoring game. I think there's, there, there's still going to be some concerning things for Carolina on defense, especially if Raymond Vowasik doesn't uh, come back to play in this game, but I still feel like this is a game that Carolina has more talent. Carolina, um, you know, is definitely the better football team, and this Florida State team is, you know, they're they're on the edge. It feels like of kind of throwing away this season and right. just turning their focus towards trying to build for next year. Carolina needs to be able to focus in on that and be able to take advantage of that, and I think they will in this game. Carolina gets the win. Yeah. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Heel Tough Log podcast. Of course, uh, we will always have you covered with everything game week. Uh, of course, you can go back, check out all the stuff from Virginia Tech. We got the Virginia Tech recap where we tell you what we learned from that game. Um, we also have the trench report where Josh broke down the offensive and defensive lines for you against Virginia Tech. A really fun one there. Uh, also, stock report, tell you who's trending up, who's trending down as we head into this key road game against Florida State. And then, of course, uh, the Florida State preview up on the website now. Make sure you guys go and read that. It gives you in an in-depth look at the game, team breakdowns, team stats. Uh, also got the injury report in there, projected starting lineups, uh, keys to the game, all great stuff that you guys can check out before Carolina takes the field in Tallahassee at 7.30 on ABC. That game was flexed out of the 7 o'clock game on ESPN. Um, uh, and, of course, uh, now going to be on national television, so you guys make sure uh, that you check that out. Of course, uh, we also want you to check out the podcast every time that we have an addition, so make sure that you like and subscribe uh, to the Facebook page um, or like and follow the Facebook page, I should say, um, so that you get a notification whenever we put out an edition of the podcast. Of course, we are going all video now, so you guys uh, will be able to check all that out. Of course, we'll also still have everything on the Spreaker app as well for all those people listening on the Spreaker app. We want to thank you guys for sticking with us. Of course, uh, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast because, uh, well, you, you want to be able to get all these great editions in your podcast library that's what you, what's happens when you subscribe when you rate and review that'll move us up some of these rankings on some of these podcasting websites so that you guys um you know that have found the podcast can add some new people to the family as well that haven't found the podcast just yet and they can listen to all of this great content so uh once again want to thank josh marlowe for hosting with me want to thank you guys for watching and listening and as always go tar heels